Hey, it's John here with a Dirty Spoon Podcast Extra. There's a new food festival happening in town this weekend. You might have heard of it. It's called Chow Chow. It's organized by some of Asheville's favorite food pioneers like Katie Button of Curate, J.L. Radigan of the Chocolate Lounge, Charlie Hodge of Sovereign Remedies. The list goes on and on and on and on. And they've spent a couple years putting this thing together. So Kat and I decided to check it out. Hey, it's John. And Catherine. And we are at Chow Chow. And it's the first year of this festival. And it's all happening. It's, it is. It's kind of intimidating. There's a lot of, like, good names in this room. We are at the VIP party of Chow Chow, which also features the Lee Initiative, which helps empower and uh, provide resources for uh, female chefs in the industry. It's a really important initiative, and we're so happy to be here right now. The food is rocking. The cocktails are rocking. Yeah, and we're going to see if we can't get around and maybe talk, have some conversations with some people. So let's get a drink first, though. At the bar is Johnny Burrett. He's stirring up some cocktails from Chemist Gin, one of the local distillers in town. Let's see what he has to offer. Uh, today I'm making a variation on a Manhattan using the Chemist Barrel Rested uh, Gin. Uh, it's got a little uh, sweet vermouth, some chinar, uh, orange bitters, and it's actually uh, topped off with a sp- uh, spritz of scotch. So we call it the conflicting opinions because it's very weird to have gin and scotch together, but with the barrel rested, it just works well kind of as a whiskey cocktail in general. Awesome. Thank you. We're at the opening friends and family VIP party. It's essentially all the people that came together to make this happen and all the people that are here to cover it. I have to admit to you, I'm a bit of a festival burnout. I've been to a bunch of them. I go to several a year. I always end up hungover, bloated, and regretting every stupid phyllo cup that I stuffed into my mouth. I have begun to wonder, in fact, if the food festival is just some relic of a long-lost food scene. A culture before Instagram, where trade show-like drunk fests gave tourists a reason to visit a small city like Asheville. Sample appetizers, glug all-you-can-drink booze, and then forget the names of all those great restaurants you tried food from. That's typically what I see at a food festival. But I have to say, something here feels a little different. It all started to come together when Katie Button stood up and clinked a fork against a glass and picked up a microphone and everyone started to quiet down. I will speak for the board as chair of the board of Chow Chow. We greatly appreciate the vision that all of you had in what we were trying to accomplish. Um, This being the very first year, it is definitely challenging. Um, We are creating something entirely new for our community and this corner of Southern Appalachia that we all call home, or most of us call home, and those who are visiting um, have a very dear connection to all of us, and um, we couldn't we couldn't imagine doing this festival without you, um, the visiting chefs and other people who have come from ways away. Um, but why Chow Chow? Why did we create this? festival this weekend here in Asheville, North Carolina. And a lot of the community members, basically the story is that we all sat around and looked at each other and we thought about all the reasons why we love this community, this corner of Western North Carolina. Um, We thought about the brewers, the distillers, the potters, the glass blowers, the blacksmiths, the woodworkers, 
the flour millers, the bean to bar chocolate people, the coffee roasting, the chefs, the um, artists. It's pretty incredible the community of makers that we have here and their passion behind what they do. And while they're all you know, working hard with their nose to the grindstone day in and day out for something that they know is important, um, and it is, we wanted to create a space that gave them the opportunity to pick their head up, connect with the public, but more importantly, connect with people like you in this room and to be able to share their story with each and every one of you so that their work, their very important work, is recognized and understood um, and that their personal story and history is told alongside it. There are a lot of big names at this thing. Ed Lee, Ronnie Lundy, Jose fucking Andres. There's a who's who element to it that I've heard a lot of criticism about from the peanut gallery. But being in this room, it doesn't seem to be about the egos. It seems to be about a community of chefs that put their ethos into their business models. A group of people that understand that in a service-driven economy, yeah, the customer's important, but so are the farmers, the cooks, the dishwashers, and every member of your staff. The opening party was catered by women from the Lee Initiative. In short, it is a project that seeks to amplify and assist the diversification of America's restaurant industry. In an industry that is typically a boys club, the Lee Initiative has pushed against that. Award-winning author Ronnie Lundy got up to speak about that transition, and I feel like what she had to say was such a mic drop that I'm just gonna let you hear it for yourself. Same shoe, <laughs> because um, the, issue, the issues facing women in our industry have gotten a lot of attention recently, but they have been there for a very, very, very long time. How long a time? Well, when y'all were just youngins. <laughs> About 21 years ago, um, I had the privilege of being the editor of a newsletter for a just beginning organization called Women Chefs and Restaurateurs. Uh, and it was a job that I was thrilled to do for three years. It was an organization begun by a small group of incredibly dedicated women chefs from all around the country who felt isolated and wanted to talk to one another, wanted to talk to the other women in their industry, and wanted to find a place at the table for women. So what I can tell you briefly is that we have in fact found a place at the table. We have women who are honored now by the James Beard Society back when it was phenomenal to even have that happen, even have a nomination. Uh, we have women who are spokespersons, who are featured on the covers of magazines. Um, um, this is a piece of the change that we need to see in our industry, but it is a very small piece. Because while women have been granted a place at the table, the table in the kitchen has not changed. It has not changed its culture. And one of the, one of the most powerful ways that I knew and understood this was um, in the, the kickback of the Me Too movement 
when it moved into our restaurant industry and people began to talk about it. Um, perhaps some of you read Sarah Moulton's piece. Uh, Sarah is, is one of my heroes, and she was one of the women who started that organization. And she wrote a piece about one of the things that we were addressing 21 years ago, which was not just finding a place for women and talking to women and encouraging them, but also giving them the tools and the coping mechanisms to deal with the world that they were entering into, which was not companionable to them, which was not supportive of them in their lives, and could in fact be destructive. And Sarah told a very poignant piece about when she was a young chef and she received a great honor of going to France and working with um, a very esteemed older chef there. It was her mentorship program. And when she arrived there, she found out that not only was she expected to work in his kitchen, but there was an expectation that she would work elsewhere. Mm. And Sarah told this story that first year, um, or I was, I guess the second year of our meeting, she, um, she's a tiny woman. She stood on a box <laughs> to be as tall as the podium, but she's fierce. I don't know if you all have met her, but she's quite an amazing person. And she told that story the way that we have been taught, women have been taught to tell the stories of our subjugation and degradation. She told it uh, as a bit of a joke, that what happened was she found herself on tour in France with this man who had rented only one room for the two of them. And Sarah spent every day that she was working in those kitchens and trying to learn and presenting herself, she spent every night in a bed wearing all of her own clothes and a trench coat that she belted tightly around her, not sleeping because she was afraid. Now what was poignant about this story for me is that Sarah told it again just another year and a half ago. I don't know if any of you read it, but she told it, um, she told it in the context of the Me Too movement. Um, and, and what was powerful in it for me was that she didn't tell it as a joke. She told it with the anger that it deserved. And she told it to the audience that it deserved, not just the women who were going to offer her affection and, and kind of laugh it off with her and hope to make it better, but to women and a few good men who were going to listen and to act to try to change the culture that women work in now. So in that context, um, not long after that, I got word from uh, my buddy Edward Lee uh, who's, who's, uh, who's a great road warrior. Um, and I found him to be one of the most compassionate and thoughtful people I've ever met. And so it was no surprise to me when he called up and said, Lindsay and I are going to create a thing called the Lee Initiative, and our purpose is to change the culture for women. Not just to bring young women, our star women, into the limelight in order to be a token representative and to let the world continue behind the kitchen doors the way it has been, but to change the culture at its core. Now, Lindsay, oh, Jack, please stand up. <laughs> Lindsay, is, Lindsay. Do you see what I mean? 
I mean, I've been to a ton of food festivals and I rarely hear that kind of an opening speech on opening night, especially one that goes that deep into the restaurant industry. So as burned out and cynical about food festivals as I may be, I think I might give this one a chance. Catherine and I will be out in the field all weekend recording what we find, and we plan to talk about it here. I guess I should say that while Chow Chow did give me a press pass to these events, they aren't sponsoring us or anything. I was just skeptical about it all, and I wanted to see what was going on, and I have to say, from the start, I'm intrigued. I think tickets are still available if you can make it. Come say hey if you do. The Dirty Spoon is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. Catherine Campbell and I do everything from sourcing stories and editing the show to composing the music that you're hearing right now. Head over to our webpage, dirty-spoon.com, to find out more and to stream our regular episodes. And check back to see what we think of Chow Chow. Or just come see for yourself. Cheers. Cheers.